Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. I was working at Seattle City Light during school. They had me forecasting power, like using Fortran or whatever. And I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm in college. I'm forecasting the city's power usage. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. This week's Women in Tech podcast episodes are powered by Strayer University. Strayer University is the go-to place to get your MBA online. You can get your entire MBA via Facebook. What? Yes, it's true. And they have incredible video content to learn from, amazing instructors, a powerful leadership team, Strayer. Check them out at strayer.edu. Thank you, Strayer, for believing in women in tech. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast. We are here in Seattle, Washington. Yes, at the Build Conference with Microsoft. So excited to be here and to celebrate Lori. Hello, Lori. How are you? Well, I'm a little shocked and overwhelmed (laughs) by this greeting, to tell you the truth. Told you. I turn it up. All right. So, okay, Lori, tell me, go ahead and introduce yourself to everybody and tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do. Okay. Um, My name's Lori Lampkin. I work at Microsoft. I work on a product called Visual Studio Team Services, which is a set of uh, collaboration DevOps tools for developers. And I am the director of program management for that team. And okay, first question that I like to ask everybody, did you have technology in your home when you were growing up? Of course. Who doesn't have technology? A lot of people. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, do you include like a microwave technology? <laughs> you know what? Point hey, taken. I am, you know, <laughs> point taken. Been around the block. <laughs> so, yeah, no, of course we had technology in our home. My dad was, you know, really a, a fan of the latest stereo equipment and, and entertainment systems. And I feel like that's kind of uh, where it first went. But, of course, I remember the reel-to-reel tape recording we had when I was very, very small because I think I was a toddler and maybe ripped the tape or something. And <laughs> that was a disaster. So yeah, he was, uh, he kind of uh, was into that. And, and then when did you first discover technology? When did it, when did you adopt it into your life? It's, I mean, that's kind of a hard question because I think sometimes technology is just so, uh, you take it for granted because it's kind of always been there. You forget that it was there. Uh, I think when I first got really excited about it was in video games, you know, when I was probably in fifth or fourth grade and um, started playing uh, 
the video games and whatever the what Commodore. Was your favorite? Yeah, <laughs> like Commodore tennis and stuff like Space Invaders <laughs> and Centipede and all those things started right. coming out and uh, and then you know trying to learn how to write them seemed kind of like an exciting thing to do. Wait, so, wait, no, 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 no. Yeah, no, no, no I did not start writing them. I just thought it seemed like an exciting. No, but thing even to that do. thought, like, how yeah. would you even know that you could write a video game? Well, because I feel like you know you see these little Space Invaders coming down and you're like, well, what if they were were like rubber chickens or, you know, can we do something more fun? Yeah. And, you know, so I think it was like, that'd be fun to customize it more right? than anything. Or, uh, you know, at that point in time, I feel like, uh, my, you know, I, I didn't know how to do it or what I would do, but it seemed like uh, we could do better than this, you know? And then how did you go from having the thought that I'd like to customize my own video game to where you are today, like yeah. fully immersed in a tech profession. Like yeah. walk me through your timeline. Well, I feel like, um, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to have had a lot of passion for math and science that, um, that I really held on to throughout the course of my high school and college uh, career. And uh, I think that was a lot of my teachers, really. I had a really fun teacher in my physics class yeah. who, who came in the first day of physics wearing a space suit and kind of walking around. And, like, he challenged us all to say, you know, uh, kind of to learn about friction and, yeah. and uh, you know, uh, perpetual motion and kind of things like that. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, he was just super fun and very right. inspiring. So I feel like, you know, I went to college and it was all about my, I loved math and science. I wanted to be an engineer. Right. I wanted to be an electrical engineer. Engineer. I don't know why I picked that. Yeah. Uh, it seemed cool, and uh, you know, like I kind of it sounded good, and I didn't know what it meant, and I got into it, and I found computer science instead. Right. So I ended up being in a math and a computer science major, and I've never looked back. It's been awesome. What would you say is the hardest thing about pursuing that trajectory and then what was the most rewarding like uh, did you ever have days where you're like I can't figure out this formula or yeah yeah I feel like the the hardest part is feeling like I don't have a lot of friends doing the same thing mm. you know I was in a sorority in college yeah, yeah. and they're all doing their communication yeah. majors and I was tutoring their math you yeah. know like they're like I'm stuck and I was there to help them and yeah. uh, and they still talk to me about that today and I feel proud of that because I, I helped a few people stick with it for right. a little longer. But for me, you know, it was hard because I didn't identify with a lot of people in my class. Uh, I was able to have some nice dates, though, you know, yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> something like that. You have more rela to relate to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, to be safe and feel like I don't know what I'm doing, uh, that was hard. Um, I, but, I, you know, I ended up building a network of friends, right. and uh, it just took a little longer, and uh, I think they really help you through it. So, it's yeah. so It's so true. I think being in tech or just being, a, a, like, I'm a, a founder, that route where a lot of people aren't kind of on the same boat with you, it's very isolating and yeah. lonely. So even though you may have a ton of friends, they don't get exactly what you're going through. Yeah. yeah. Although, you know, I talk to my friends, and I don't... Don't you sometimes just have friends and you don't re even know what they do for a job? Right. You know, sometimes it's like, oh, oh, wait, are you in HR? Are you in right. IT? Like, yeah. I kind of forget. And and so you're you're so busy talking about other things. So so I just don't draw a lot from that network. But I, going through it, it would have been, it, of course, it would have been nice. But but I think. It's definitely something that um, I'm so glad I did because I pursued my passion. Yeah. And uh, it's been so rewarding and so fun. 
as a person, uh, a female in technology, I feel like I bring a unique perspective to yeah. my team that yeah. uh, they need me more. You know, do you ever do you ever feel like you're like you said a female in technology? Do you day to day feel I'm a woman in tech, or do you just feel I'm in tech? I feel like I'm in tech. I don't Ditto. feel like a woman yeah. at all. Yeah. I, I mean, I... I, I yeah, yes, so I get what you mean. One time I came to work, I had gone to the gym and I wore a red, two set of wedges, and one was red and one was kind of an orange, yeah. orange striped one. Right. And in the dark, they looked the same, and I wore them to work, and I was like, I'm just going to have to walk around with two different shoes all day. And nobody noticed. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is kind of nice. <laughs> nobody noticed. I had to point them out to people. Look, I'm wearing two different shoes. So, yeah, I mean, you have different interests, but right. I don't. Other than the day I wore different shoes, I, yeah. I haven't really paid much attention to it. And how did, you, how did you accelerate and find the job where you are today? Yeah. So, I mean, some luck and some uh, some help. You know, I think I started at Microsoft uh, right out of college. I was... Wow, uh, that is lucky. Yeah. I mean, I I went to the University of Washington. So I happened to start at Microsoft. And where were you from originally? uh, I'm an army brat, so I'm from all over the place. So I was traveling all over the country uh, and the world. And uh, so I I ended up at the University of Washington because I wanted to be an electrical engineer. They had a great program. And, uh, And then when I graduated... Microsoft was just just kind of starting, yeah. and I was working at Seattle City Light during school. Kind of, they had me forecasting power, like using Fortran or whatever. Right. And I was like, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm in college. I'm forecasting the city's power usage. I probably right. shouldn't say that. They might come and <laughs> say something. But um, but yeah, I, uh, I I got had some connections. Yeah. Moved to Microsoft, and just the pace was so exciting. You know, yeah. it was so much faster pace. I started out in the phones, right. uh, on the phones, supporting uh, developers, and within a year, uh, they asked me to be a manager, mainly because my interests were more around, like, the team's issues, and right. trying to, like, okay, who's going to cover for that, or we're having trouble fitting training in, or how are we... I started asking questions, and and someone said to me, hey, do you want to be a lead? And I yeah. said, uh, no, I want to be technical, and that's what I want to do. And they said, you can do both. Yeah. Why wouldn't you do both? And I, I said, okay. And I felt like I was jumping off a cliff, right. and I did, and I never looked back. What would you tell your 18-year-old self, life advice? What's that one thing you would tell her, a professional? Yeah, that's a great question, because I think I would tell myself the same thing I would tell myself today, which is, there's another day. <laughs> you know, Amen. Like, <laughs> Amen. You don't have to be perfect today. There's another day. <laughs> to be perfect. And what is one uh, obstacle that you've successfully overcome, and how did you overcome it, and what did you learn from it in your professional life? Yeah. Um, it's hard because I feel like every day has its own new set of obstacles. I can think about That's a point. That's fair. It's true. You uh, could but, answer it that way. Like, I think it's honest. <laughs> well, it is honest. I, I mean, I can think about one point in my career I was really wanting to be promoted. You know, like, I'd been at a level for a very long time, and I was, like, ready. And, uh, and what I found out was that uh, the way I was working wasn't the way I should be working yeah. at the next level. And... Uh, I just didn't see it, and I didn't know how to act on it right. uh, because I didn't know what was wrong. And um, the thing that I did was I just kept asking my manager. He kept having a very safe conversation with me right. about, you know, these are people's perceptions of you. And I'd be like, that's not fair. It's not right. right. But I had to say, you know, I, their perceptions, and I have to 
think about what I'm doing. And, um, and I think that was a really critical turning point in my career to learn how to um, listen to feedback from people, but not, you don't have to do everything they say. You, it's like your telemetry pipe, yeah. you know, like if I'm open to what you have to say about me, then, um, then I, you'll tell me more and you'll yeah. tell me more. Yeah. And if I shut that down because I want to explain or, you know, I'm angry or yeah. defensive or any, you know, cry or anything like that, then, then you might not tell me. It might right. be hard for you to tell me. So, I look at it like it really was a point in my life where I learned how to open up the telemetry pipe. And then, you know, what I do with the telemetry is up to me. You right. know, I, I can, it can hurt or whatever, but I can also decide I'm going to do something about it or not. Right. And so I look at that as like a, maybe not so much of a, maybe my own personal obstacle, right. ter- but um, how a very pivotal moment in my career where I realized how to keep on an accelerated growth right. was not just get frustrated and bang your head on the wall, but just really listen and try to find the patterns and learn. Totally. Yeah. I think, I think having self-awareness is one of the hardest things to do. Um, it's funny because in this, in this age where we talk about authenticity and transparency, how are we able to have an honest conversation if we don't yet know who we are? Because we can only be honest to the extent that we're capable of self-awareness. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I hear you on that. I think that I, I have kind of this problem of being so self-aware that even though I make mistakes in the moment, I have more of a hard time stopping myself from doing something I know I shouldn't do anyway, right. like oversharing or right. whatever. <laughs> and then, uh, and then being so self-aware, I can see the reactions of people and I can see, you know, yeah. I criticize myself and I wake up in the middle of the night going, yeah. Uh, yeah. uh, why did I do that? And, and that, you know, I think that's another thing, just learning that it's okay to learn. It's okay to not be perfect. It's okay to have some self-forgiveness There'll be another day. Back to that. I guess that's you, my theme today. Are you sure that it's okay not to be perfect? No, just kidding. <laughs> no, because I'll go back there in a second. So what excites you the most about the position you have today? Oh, I love my position. I feel like I found this perfect thing. Because, Tell us again. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. I, I'm the director of PM for VSTS, Visual Studio Team Services. And, and walk us through the... Because some people are 16 years old listening. So what does right. that mean? Yeah. So basically, I, I run a team of people... And uh, the team is responsible for the strategy of the product, the customer interaction, and prioritizing the work and the design of the experience. So I look at it, it's like we get to shape this product. And so uh, when I, why do I love it so much? There's two things. Like one is I love growing people. I love watching them, the spark in their eyes or, you know, their struggles that they go through. Like I was just talking about mine. I love coaching people and helping them through that. It is so awesome and fun. And then I love getting things done, like getting people to collaborate to get things done. And in my role, like, think about it. I'm responsible for the strategy and the prioritization design. We are getting things done and needing to collaborate. Right. And Visual Studio Team Service is a product for development teams to collaborate and get things done. So it's like, oh, my gosh, it's just speaking to my soul. (laughs) Pretty good. I love getting things done, too. (laughs) Um, One last thing, uh, your favorite book. Oh gosh, that is impossible. I'm an avid reader. Are you? I love just one to of read. them, a recent uh, one that you really liked. Gosh, uh, the one that I just got done reading was The Light at the End of the Days, which is uh, historical fiction about uh, t- 
Thomas Edison and the invention of the light bulb and, uh, and kind of the political and courtroom drama about patent law. And, you know, like it's not a technical book. It's yeah. more of a, uh, uh, you know, kind of just how the industrial revolution unfolded and, and how much it's like technology today. It has a lot of quotes from Bill Gates and Steve Jobs in it. It's pretty cool. And your favorite tech tool? Could be an app, software. My favorite tech hardware. tool is my car. I mean, <laughs> I was thinking that the other day. I just got a new car, and the only reason I got the exact same car I had last time, but I needed a new car because of the technology that's in it. Nice. You know, just you know, keyless entry. Like they're doing yeah. so many cool things that in the cars nowadays. What well, doesn't self-drive? But you know, <laughs> walk us through it. What are some of the top tech features in a car? I know podcasting is now in a ton of cars, which yeah, is amazing. That's right, yeah. or Wi-Fi or whatever. Like I don't know what to do with that. I'm usually driving myself in the car, uh, so that would be bad. Uh, but I, I like the um, idea of, you know, the car kind of just knowing where I'm going because of my patterns of yeah. behavior and yeah. just saying this is the right route to take or, you know, um, uh, and, and knowing not just where I'm going but where to park, you know, just being smarter. I feel like there's a lot of opportunity there. And I, I feel like I, I want to go and um, not just have keyless entry. I want to have keyless exit. I want to get out of the yeah. car and have it just lock itself and <laughs> stuff like that. So, Did you anyway. hear Amazon is now delivering, they're partnering with OnStar and they're delivering groceries to the, in, they're picking up the groceries, putting them in the trunk of your car so by the time you get to your car. See, these are the things that I need in my life. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, okay, and then where can people connect with you online? Uh, my uh, at Lori Lampkin is my Twitter handle. Can you spell it for us? At L-O-R-I-L-A-M-K-I-N. It's my Twitter handle. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, Lori, okay, for hanging out with the Women in me. Tech podcast. Okay. I will see you guys, talk to you guys, hear you guys in the next episode. Remember to say hello at Women in Tech Show on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. And bye. Hi, my name is Lori Lampkin. I work for Microsoft, the world's leading software company. I am a director of program management for Visual Studio Team Services based in Seattle, Washington, and you're listening to Women in Tech. This week's Women in Tech podcast episodes are powered by Strayer University. I'm Charlene Walters, and I'm the vice provost and dean of the Digital Entrepreneurship MBA program. I started working for Strayer about 11 years ago. I love working with Strayer because it's such an innovative company. We're constantly on the cutting edge, and we're always trying to find new ways to enhance the student's learning journey. And that really motivates me. I've just seen so much positive change and innovation, and it's really been thrilling to be a part of that. Check them out at strayer.edu. Thank you, Strayer, for believing in women in tech. I've been interviewing these outstanding women in tech here at Microsoft. It would not be possible if it wasn't with these four incredible men celebrating women in tech around me. Hello, guys. Hey. So tell me what this podcast central is all about. I'm Bharat, and we started this uh, two years ago at every big Microsoft event. Uh, Richard Campbell... Carl Franklin, uh, Dimitri Lyland, and, and myself, we've been trying to get folks to talk about all different topics of technology and how Microsoft relates to that. It's really an entrepreneurial project within a large corporation. Mm -hmm. yes. It's driven by the heart. It's to attract 
different storytellers, if we could call podcasters that, mm-hmm. that you all really admire is to give women an opportunity to share their stories and their journeys. Mm-hmm. And so you've really all come together to make it possible. Um, so Microsoft Build isn't just another dev corporate tech conference. It's a, a place to share a powerful story and have it reach beyond the wall. Yeah, it's really amazing how much we, we can do sometimes at a big company like Microsoft. Like a lot of us and the company itself really tries to make sure that whatever we're doing, we're, we're making sure we're being inclusive, both in listening to the people that are outside the company, talking to us, and making sure that inside the company we have a diverse kind of set of voices and faces coming right. out and talking on podcasts and doing our keynotes. It, it really is an amazing place to work. What's great about it is that you get people who don't necessarily think about Microsoft you know, and their podcasters and their podcast listeners hearing uh, you know, these stories and technology uh, from Microsoft executives, people that they would not necessarily have access to uh, just you know, living inside their uh, JavaScript world or Ruby or whatever it is. And then, you know, we bring them here and we, we give them access to these people and they take it back. And now they're, they're expanding their reach and they're expanding uh, their uh, knowledge to include all the great stuff that jibes with their technology back home. Carl started .NET Rocks back in 2002, which is uh, about two years before the word podcast even existed. I came on board in 2005 on show 100. And here at Build, we recorded show 1,550. Yeah, we've been doing it a while. A little while. Yeah. And I also have a show called Run As Radio, which is an IT show. started later in 2007. But yep. uh, I think i got 580 in the can now. Yeah. And, Dimitri, none of this would be possible without you signing off, I hear. Well, it was a bit crazy. So, yeah, I'm Dimitri Lylan, and I've been kind of with this effort since the beginning. Rich was like, I have this crazy idea. I just said, okay, let's make it happen. People didn't think we could. It was too late. It was no budget. It was, you know, whatever. All these stupid excuses. So I came over to Brad, and I'm like, Brad, I, I think I can find the money. I think Rich, you can help us organize it. I need somebody to help us run it. Can you help? Where can they find out more about your shows, more about what you do online? Well, our show is .NET Rocks. It's, you know, period N-E-T, R-O-C-K-S, or .NET Rocks.com, D-O-T-N-E-T-R-O-C-K-S.com. Or just search for it in your favorite podcast uh, directory. Directory. We're in them all. We're in them all. I'm just Barat on uh, Twitter, Barat spot at Twitter. But, can uh, you spell that for everybody? Uh, B-H-A-R-A-T, S, uh, the letter S, uh, and then B. H A T. So perfect. Um, and Dimitri? I'm easy on Twitter. It's going to be uh, Lylan.com. That's L Y A L I N D O T C O M. That's my Twitter handle. It's, I'm easy to find. Perfect. Easy. Thank you so much for putting together Podcast Central and making this magical experience happen for everybody and spending the time on the Women in Tech podcast. Yeah, thank you, Esprit. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.